When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, but hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. Climb down from there, kids. It's dangerous. Come to think of it, you probably shouldn't stand up. Lie down prone, kids. Uh, standing up is dangerous. It's one more thing. Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. Hey. 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 Fonzie. How you doing? How you doing? What's going on there? So, uh, where is that? I just misplaced something. I'm an idiot. I've been meaning to get to this on the A&G show. Um, That's a fabulous, talked- fabulously popular Armstrong and Getty show, which I assume you're aware of, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Right, exactly. But we've talked about this on and off in various ways for years, and that is the veal Caffey playgrounds of the modern era. Mm-hmm. And how um, the, uh, the the schools and parks of America have tried to craft these playgrounds where there's absolutely no risk, there's no adventure, there's no danger whatsoever, no child could ever be uh, hurt. Also and, no fun. <clears throat> exactly. And, and no learning to assess risk and learning to exercise caution in a situation with greater risk, which is one of the most important things the uh, juvenile human animal learns. That's the point of childhood and and growing up is you learn to assess and adjust to risk. Um, But we've denied kids that. And and interestingly enough, as we've discussed, uh, I guess it was probably a few months ago before the whole COVID thing obliterated every other conversation in America, we were talking about how risky playgrounds were making a, a comeback because all the child psychologists had said what was incredibly obvious to every, you know, sane human, is that this is it's not good for kids to never let them have adventures. Well, we got this note from Sam, an email. He's been involved in parks and recreation, not the show, but the actual, uh, you know, parks and recreation for 50 years. It's a long time. Yeah. And I just I want to read you some of his note, but he says, I can safely say you guys are correct as to eliminating fun and adventure from children's playgrounds. But then he points out that it all goes back to a UC Davis professor. Awesome. Nationwide. The the, the nationwide trend of Veal Caffey playgrounds. He's, he's no longer with us. Before you even go any further, this, this, right. this shocks me not. The entire don't eat fat but eat sugar thing came out of like ass study in the late 60s. And mm-hmm. we did that forever. I believe the don't give your kids real mom breast milk, but this is like out of a one bogus study. Right. Um, and then the eliminate straws from America was not only from one study, but it was from a study from a nine-year-old's poor, poorly researched paper. <laughs> and we, we changed the way the world of, uh, handles straws. So this sort of thing happens all the time. So I went into this ready to demonize UC Davis professor Seymour Gold, who's no longer here uh, to defend himself, which is frankly convenient. Um, I went in ready to demonize him. Then I read some of his stuff and I thought, you know what? I can't demonize him. But then I read the note from Sam and got back to wanting to demonize him. So here you go. 
This Seymour Gold chap, a supposed expert in playground safety, in 1981, he was asked to take a look at this topic because of a couple of court cases that said towns and schools and whatever could be held liable if your kid falls off the monkey bars. Okay, well, you can't blame somebody for looking into that if that becomes the reality. Right, this jackass, stupid America-ruining court case at the dawn of the excessive uh, lawsuit liability culture that we have now. Wow, so that's interesting. So we now know the date. It was 1981 when all this crap started. The idea that if your kid fell at the park at school, somehow the school was going to have to pay for it. 1981. Well, it's good to know. So this UC Davis professor, Seymour Gold, and this is where I stopped demonizing him briefly in my mind. He uh, wrote the guidelines and did all sorts of studies and and the rest of it, and then was the expert in advising uh, anybody who had a playground how to avoid or, or limit their liability, how to reduce it, right? So I thought, okay, he was just responding to a need. No, then he made his fortune or he made a fair amount of money as an expert witness for people who were suing public agencies and playground manufacturers. At the same time, he was working as a professor and bringing in extra income from various lawsuits as an expert, dipping into the taxpayers twice. Wow. Yeah. So he wrote, wow, that's something. Yeah. So uh, again, at, at the beginning of it, he was responding to an utterly angering need, but a legitimate need, but then went on as the leading expert in the world to uh, make sure your your town, your your city, your school got good and screwed every time a kid fell. Well, yeah. It's kind of exciting that the very park that my kid plays at might be across the street from that dude's old house. Dude, I'll bet he designed it. I'll bet he was a key person in either designing it literally or he passed on, I think, in the early 2000s. Um, But his principles are 100 percent behind all the playgrounds you see uh, in America these days. And it was all over. uh, That's right. This is the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you to brace yourselves. The co-host is about to say a naughty, naughty word. It was all over fucking liability and lawsuits and and people making profit off of claiming that something bad should never happen. And if anything bad ever does happen, somebody needs to write somebody else a check, which is such a perversion of of humans relating to each other. How was there not some sort of government intervention at the time? Somebody, you know, a quick writing of legislation that says you can't hold schools liable for this or it will it will lead to what it obviously led to. Right. Because any I'm, any normal grown up would say if if you're going to make the schools responsible for anybody getting hurt on the playgrounds, then we're not going to be able to have playgrounds. Well, the reason is because of the way democracy actually works. It's not the popular will. It's who has lots of money and powerful lobbyists and kids having fun and kids learning to assess risk and deal with it uh, didn't have powerful lobbyists. I mean, at the same time, 1981, yeah, I'm trying to remember. It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, Congress granted Major League Baseball an antitrust exemption for many, many decades. But Congress couldn't step up and say, hey, 
look, it's important for kids to be able to climb and take risks. And once in a while, a kid is going to fall and break an arm. And once in a just it's practically infinitesimal, a child might die if they don't assess the risk carefully and they fall and, and hit their head. It almost never, ever happens. Um, but Congress couldn't step up and do that at the time. Why can't Either they, they do didn't it now? See it coming or, why can't know. it happen now? Why can't we write? Why can't we write legislation that says when people get hurt on the playground equipment at the park, it's not the school's fault? I don't think the American Bar Association would ever let it happen because there are so many ambulance chasers that pay dues that I mean that's their living. Hmm, I'd like to hear a smart lawyer tell us that if you're listening to this podcast, email us or whatever. I'd like to hear the explanation for why that doesn't happen now. I gotta believe you'd get majority support. Just like if you put it to a poll in the country and explained it properly. Right. Some sort of blanket hold harmless for municipal playgrounds. Yeah. Email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. It could be because there's no goddamn town that's going to put in like a wood chipper for the kids to play with and like a running chainsaw and that sort of stuff. I mean, come on, or javelins. They'll just have a rack of javelins out there at the city park. Instead of having that's a not- sandbox, we thought we'd have a box full of shards of glass. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to happen. Kids, pull the pin on the grenade. Then you see this uh, lever thing. It's very important. You you don't careful, Johnny. You have eight seconds. Eight, but not nine. Right. Don't count too slow. How many of you know how to count to eight? All of you. (laughs) That's great. Let's do it together now, shall we? One, two. Yeah. Nobody's going to do that. My son's school, if it rains, they can't play in the playground the next day because the grass might still be wet enough that somebody could fall and twist an ankle. And really? The, yeah. It might be across the street from that guy's house. See, as a well kid, we used to play in the mud. We used to of love course. that stuff. Of course you did. Do they never water the grass? We took sleds on the school bus to school and, and, and went down the hill. It was a sheet of ice. And I can't, it had to be 30 miles an hour. And now the kids can't run on wet grass. Now you can't they run on wet grass. And there, I'm sure. Speaking of academics, there is a learned study somewhere about the the uh, the stages civilizations go through, and they probably describe the uh, overly cautious, litigious, you know, uh, stage of a mature society. God, if there's one, if I if I could do something with my life, it would be. You know, fight this and change it in my lifetime. I, you know, I'm not I'm not the right kind of guy because <laughs> I don't like paperwork. I don't like lawyers. I don't like slow moving anything. I don't like meetings. But God, I, I could march for this sort of thing. Yeah, it would be 25 years of banging your head yeah. against this in meetings and meeting yep. with politicians. And right. Yeah, but uh, very yeah, slow growing movement, which is the way democracies work. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, with very powerful, rich forces against you. Well, and it's so insidious, too. If you think about human development, what we're doing to our kids, turning them into terrified veal calves who never take and learn how to deal with risk. And it's the helicopter parent, the snowplow parent thing. It's just it's all of a piece. Although what's insidious about it is the lawsuit things just greed. It's a little bit of do-gooderism and a lot of greed. Whereas the whole overly cautious society thing, I think, is is less about greed Uh, or, or, well, I don't know. Maybe it is because once you have a certain number of lawsuits, I mean, we've yelled and railed about school administrators being so friggin paranoid, but then realized, well, there ain't going to be a little school for Johnny to go to if they get their ass sued. Right. So um, I don't know. I, I, these stories always make me so sad because uh, long run, a country that behaves this way does not stay 
the strongest, most prosperous, most vibrant culture on the earth. It mm-hmm. just does not over no. time. Well, I would suggest to you, and this may be a little of a stretch, but not much. What do you think happens if you fall off the playground in all, in all these other up-and-coming countries around the world? You dust yourself off and go on about your business. You say, be well, careful next time. I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that the person who, who who climbs on the monkey bars and takes risks and learns to assess them and and maybe rides their bike a little too fast and wipes out a couple of times, there are 100 examples, careens down the hill, the icy hill on a sled. Those are the people who start businesses because they understand risk and they're not afraid of it. Those are the entrepreneurs, the well, literally the risk takers in society because there is no profit without risk. And I'm afraid we're just crushing that. But I don't know. I do know, actually. I don't know exactly what to do about it. Dig up this uh, UC Davis guy and, well, never mind. More 30-foot high, high monkey bars over asphalt. Greased. Somebody oh. greases them every morning. And, and I got to reconsider that wood chipper idea. <laughs> Kids, you see a big stick? Uh, throw it in there. Try not to get your sleeve caught. Try. <laughs> do your best. Well, I guess that's it. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade clean. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart.